You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So today, uh, this is really a topic that, you know, some people say our topics are somewhat obscure. <laughs> this is a topic as everybody uh, has, has dealt with and has agonized over, which is... Um, it's the the seba of of why we're in Golis and what we do about it. Um, you know, uh, we're struggling with the causes of our Golis, as cited by Chazal, our sages. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Where Chazal knew Sinaschinam was was the main mida. Um, where did they extract that from? Uh, and can we come to terms with Sinaschinam means? It's thrown around a lot. Um, I think almost, despite your level of learning, most people. You know, we'll talk about the sinaschinam. People know what it is. Um, and is there a plan for its eradication? Because as we're going to look in the Rambam in a minute, you'll see that that's really what's incumbent on us to do. Um, so uh, I, I took a page out of uh, the title page out of Mayor Barilan's book. He wrote a book of his, uh, he was the Nitzvah's son, and he eventually made Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. And of course, a famous university my son went to and graduated from, my daughter-in-law as well, uh, Bar Ilan, is, of course, uh, Mayor uh, Berlin, uh, changed his name to Mayor Bar Ilan, and he wrote his memories, uh, his his uh, biography. Uh, well, he started off as a little boy. He was the Tziv's youngest child. Tziv got married in the second marriage. He was in the 70s. He was about 70-something. Um, but he still had Puras Anoshim. He still was able to produce a child. He was actually, of course, he was only 16 years older than his old, his other son, Chaim Berlin. Uh, you know, we all, we, we've heard of all of the Shiva's Chaim Berlin, but Chaim Berlin, the six, the Tziv was 16 years older than Chaim Berlin and, and 70 years older than Mayor Berlin. Had his son when he was 15. When he was about 17, yes. Yes. He got married at 16 and he had the child when he was 17. So, so, so Mayor Mayor Berlin is from his second wife. Mayor Berlin is from the Aruch Hashulchan. Right. Mayor Berlin is uh, is this child from his second wife. Uh, that would be um, Mayor Berlin is from the Aruch Hashulchan's uh, the Aruch Hashulchan's daughter. Uh, Reparach Epstein's sister was the one who married the Nitziv in the second marriage. We all know the you know the, the famous book in English that came out. My uncle the Nitziv, but he also became uh, my brother. He was also he was also my was, was also my brother-in-law the Nitziv because eventually the Nitziv marries his sister, and in that second marriage, that second Rebetzin, uh she is the one who gave birth to Mayor Barilan, Mayor Berlin. So the Nitziv was obviously a lot, in a way, very close to his older son, Reb Chaim. And they were sort of, if you take a look at, they actually had a lot of discussions together. They were more like brothers, eventually. Uh, although, of course, Reb Chaim Berlin had a tremendous amount of covet for his father. But may, what? So Reb Chaim Berlin went there to throw after the Nitziv's Ptira, which was in the 1880s. And he became sort of like the unofficial rabbi of Yerushalayim, Reb Chaim Berlin. Um, and in many ways, or you would say Rechaim Berlin is probably uh, the the most key continuer, let's say, of what the Nitziv's outlook was, the type of COVID he had for him. Um, and 
the Rameir Bruin wrote his biography from Lashon Yerushalayim. I thought it was appropriate here because I want to try to connect, if I can, because others have done it before me, uh, the approach of the Nitziv and Rav Kook, who actually spent a year or two in Voloshin, a year and a half or so. Uh, he always um, uh, referred to the Nitziv as his great Rebbe. But it's it's probably correct to say that although, you know, and we've all, you know, I, I've been around here six years. I don't know how much influence I've, how much I've got an influence from, from here and how much I've been able to do here. But when you're younger, like Rav Cook's age, and he was just a, a young, almost married or just got married fellow, I think the influence that he had from the Nitziv was strong, but I think we have to call Rav Cook a, a different thinker than the Nitziv was. He had tremendous respect for him, and there are lines of similarity, and we're going to talk about them today. And many people have made this connection, um, especially in terms of the subject of, of Sinas Chinam, uh, and, and what Sinat Chinam means and, and how to, how to effectively deal with it. So I'm going to try to deal with the approach of the Nitziv and mention also the approach of Rav Kook Satsal, uh, and we call it misplaced suspicion, which has to do with the Nitziv's <laughs> attitude, which is not to suspect everyone, and we'll see why, and, uh, Rav Kook, which is about unconditional love, uh, although Rav Kook was not the first one to, to say the, the famous Pisgah, he said that the Hurban Beis HaMikdash occurred as a, as, uh, as a result of Sinaskinam, and what we need in order to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash is Avaskinam. Talk about what that might mean. Rav Kook was not the first one to say it, but he's the most famous person to say it, and I have, if you take a look in, uh, what I've added to today's class and the notes, you'll see the uh, sources that they are in Rav Cook's statement is there from the Sefer Oros HaKodesh. Okay, so um, before we start, uh, let's deal with the two questions here. How can we relate the generation of the Horban to our own times? Now, why should we? So let me just show you here, if you don't mind, uh, this Rambam. And this is one of the most famous Rambams uh, quoted, one of the Mitzvahs, uh, Einaklach, uh, Rav Yosheber Salavechik, uh, loves this Rambam. He speaks about it a lot. Uh, and I'll tell you, I've probably talked about it myself at least 20 times, 25 times publicly. And every time you look at it, 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 it really is fascinating. And it, it, it gives, it, it, it's, 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 it's original, and yet you know that uh, it's correct. Um, so this is the Rambam in Perikei of, let me see if I can get this larger. Um, okay. So I'm going to read it for you. Here's the Rambam. Uh, Yeshom Yomim. Let's see it up there. Yeshom Yomim Shekol Yisro Mesanim Ben. Ibnei Atzorish There's days, as we know, Tisha is coming up. Days of fast days. We just shed Shabbos and Betamas. Kol Yisro fast because of the Tzoris that occurred. Today, so why do we fast? Okay, so, so you know, why don't why don't we just you know just do tshuva? Because obviously, if you if if you restrict yourself from food and you feel pain, so that causes you to think. So in other words, many people feel that tishuvah is about avelus, is about feeling just terrible and just basically feeling devastated and to feel a sense of destruction. The Rambam says all the Tanaisim, including Tishavov, the, there is an instructive aspect to it. True, you feel bad and you have a sense of pain, but that's really the fasting, especially, which is so visceral, so, uh, right at where you live, because you're hungry and you can't eat and you're, 
you're feeling the, the sense of change and difference, that's supposed to get you to move to actually think. Okay. Now, the question is, you can do tshuva every day. A person should do tshuva every day. So, again, what is the, um, what's the significance of the tshuva on Tisha B'av or any of the fast days? So he says, Because since it's Tisha B'av, and Tisha B'av carries with it all the history of what Tisha B'av is about, the liturgy and what you know about Tisha B'av, of all those terrible things, the korbanis and things beyond. So what you do is you actually dwell on what happened on those days. And you think about what they did, and you relate it to today. In other words, That's what the Rambam says. You can take a look up there, those of you that have, and I can make this a little bit larger here, so let me just see how I do that. Um, here, right? You do uh, control plus. Control plus. Okay, there we go. So as you can see, right? So let me make it just a little bit less. Uh, control minus, yeah. So as you can see, that Now, how does the Rambam expect us to do that? In other words, the Rambam expect everybody to like have like like history tapes of what everything, or to be experts in, in Tanakh, uh, to, to to be researchers in archaeology. Um, but he says that so clearly the, the the point of departure, we have to depart from where we are. In other words, we have we have Chazal, we have Psukim, and 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 obviously we don't live in that period, and thousands of years away from that period. But the Rambam says that by emphasizing what they did wrong, by emphasizing their negative actions, it's zikaron lemaisenu aroyim. We make it live to us. We 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 can't help but think about hey, how how am I like that? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm learning about even Shri Chastam, I'm learning about Gilei Arayas, I'm learning about all the Averot that, that, that were prevalent in the first Chorban, the second Chorban, of Sinaschinam, of, of the second Chorban. And I'm thinking, hmm, how does that relate to me? And then I say, uh, only through myself can I come to probably an inexact understanding, because we, we don't have a time machine, we don't live there, we're a product of who we are, and yet it's it's incumbent on us to bond with what has occurred in the past and say, that what they did is still happening now and we're continuing what they did. Right? So it isn't just doing tshuva for some other Aveira that we have a list every night that we look at. But these, since this day is so crucial, since Tisha B'Av is so crucial, because since such terrible things occurred, and the result of that was A, B, C, and D, we therefore look for those causes in Chazal, in the Psukim. We see, we relate that to us, and we say, hey, we're doing the same thing. And, and in that way, we bond in a sort of ugly way, but in a real way, with the generations past. And we say, So it turns out that it isn't just, we're just as bad as them. What they did caused this to happen, and happened to them and us, but we haven't changed anything, we haven't fixed anything, we're continuing to do what they did, so we're all bonded together. So in that way, by going through this reflection, we're actually, even though 
it's inexact and it's imaginative and, and, and it has to be through the lenses of your own reading of the psukim, reading of Chazal and your own sense of who you are and what you're doing wrong, you end up imposing that on the past and you end up seeing yourself as a person who this is happening to. So why don't we say That's a good question. Why would uh, maybe we should do differently? Uh, if okay. everything is wrong, we've been for thousands of years and nothing happens. Uh, okay, so, so why don't we change okay, it? Okay, so, well, first of all, this is the path of what we need to do first. But, but in other words, but one thing, one thing you'll see we can't do is just assume that that was then, this was now. If, if we, if, yeah, go ahead. Right. Okay. Rambam, Rambam is a Rishon. Most of Bali Musar, right, are Rishonim. This is this is the Rambam's way of of telling us. Okay. I, I, again, I, I I I just want to put it on the table how interesting it is that it's that again it's. It, so, because the Rambam is trying to to give significance and why it'll work. Now, Yossi, maybe look what he says here at the Rambam at the end. That if we do the good job of really not just, you know, thinking about the Holocaust, which is also terrible, and thinking about, but actually thinking about what actually occurred historically and getting a sense of what life was like then and what the Chorban meant then, connecting it to what we're doing now, in a similar way, and this way we'll be able to really do tshuva and become better people. And now he brings a pasuk. This pasuk is at the end of the Tochachah. Okay, so it sounds like we need to do tshuva with them in mind. And he brings a raya from that. And of course we say this pasuk every year on Yom Kippur over and over again. The Pasuk the Rambam quotes, it's his own chidush. I don't think it comes from any other place in Chazal. This is his own pshat in the Pasuk. It says, by the end of the Tochacha, you take a look here, it says, v'yizvadu es avonam, avon avotam. And when you do vidui, you're going to do vidui for their avera, meaning the Jews of the future. The Rambam is talking about, after God unleashes all the terrible things that are in the Tochacha, in, in the end of Parshas Bechukotai, Parshas Bechukosai, it says that we will finally come to our, to come to terms, and we're going to do vidui on our Averot and the Averot of our parents. And normally, of course, the question is, how can you do vidui for someone else? How can you do vidui for your parents? The answer is, that's not that somehow they're in Shemayim and like you're, you're clapping al chait for them and it's working. But rather, you're recognizing your chet, and you're recognizing how it echoes the chatoyim of the previous generations. And therefore, your vidui isn't just a vidui for your particular situation. It's a more grander vidui. It's a vidui that comes from you, but also comes from your reflection. And then, the Rebbeinu Shalom can bring the Geula. This is the Rambam in the very beginning of, of Perakei, of, of Hilchas Tanit. So, based on this, okay, there's other statements, but based on this, I think it, it behooves us. Okay, so let's look at those Dairus. Let's look at them and see how we can relate to that. Yeah, 
But normally, again, you think about it, why are you mentioning the Ovois? According to the Rambam, you're mentioning it because you're reflecting on how this, how the world isn't fixed. The world isn't what we want it to be. There's still terrible things going on. But you also go, you, you can't, you can't ignore history. On the other hand, history is ultimately very personal. And it's, it's because, because we can speculate and theorize and we could even give a very lucid description. Even we've been, I've been trying to do that to you for the last couple of weeks, talking about what life was like a hundred years ago. And we talked about that last week. Ultimately though, it's, it's a channel, uh, that works for ourselves. So let's talk about the first source here. Let me, um, get that up and. Also, since the fathers are visited over children, so we have access to it. Right, but, but, but I, but, but it isn't just that we, that we get, that we are suffering because of their sins. So are the result. More than that, more than that, we're, we continue, we continue to sin in the same way they did. And, and don't you see that sometimes from family to family, kind of culturally certain people maybe aren't, I don't know, consider of certain things and they learn from their parents and they behave the same way their parents did in that same inconsiderate way. And, and right, exactly. Okay. We're supposed to fix that. Right, but we, but so let's take a look at, um, let me see what we sent out here. Okay. They might be our, our problem. We don't like to see what's going on. Right, right, of course. Okay. Right. Okay, well, I hope this is going to download <laughs> properly, because um, my friend um, Joe says we should always, I should always send out PDFs, because many times if I send doc, uh, it bounces back. So let's see. Hopefully this will open up properly. If not, I have a backup as a PDF. So let's take a look. All right. So this is a familiar material for many. Um, and let's see what we can gain out of it. Okay. All right. Let's try to make this larger if we can. My mouse is not working so well, but here we go. Everybody see all right, the board? It's all right now. Okay. So again, this is all right, so this is a Gemara Yuma. And actually, doing some research, this is, you know, the Talmud is, of course, a later source compared to the Mishnahic sources, the Tosefta. This actually starts off as a, as a Arichos of a Tosefta and Menachos, interestingly, which you'll see in a couple minutes. So, but this is the Talmud's elaborated version of this material. So, Amr Rabbi Yechon ben so he starts with Shiloh. We're not going to spend too much time on Shiloh, but Yochanan ben Tarasa or Tarisa, who was a contemporary of Rabbi Akiva, um, he puts three, he actually has three templates here. He starts off with Shiloh, which of course was lasted for uh, close to 400 years, I believe, uh, maybe longer. You take a look and see, it's in the back of a lot of these uh, uh, Tanakh. Is this the continuation of the mark walking backwards? Um, this Gemara is just talking about what happened in Bayashani. So the Gemara talked, but the lead-in, I think, was um... the lead-in to this Gemara was about was about how many uh, that they were. Oh, there were so many Kohanim Gedolim in Bayashani because they all died. So therefore, we took a step back about Daftesam at Aleph, the bottom. So they Ma'achor Shilo. So Shilo had Gilui Arayas of Bizoyin Kochen. Now. Um, Obviously, the, the Gemara brings psukim that that was actually happening in Shiloh itself. And of course, it brings the psukim about Eli 
that Eli heard that his sons had actually slept with the women who were coming to bring their carbonos. Now, the Gemara says, no, it doesn't mean they actually slept with them. But what it means is, is that they didn't care about their carbon they were bringing. They had a laissez-faire attitude, even though the women wanted to come and go back to their husbands and be tahor and to bring their carbon um, after they had child, after they had children. But they didn't care. So that attitude, so again, if, I don't have a time to show you this, but the Nitziva actually talks about this, Gemara. And he says that the that there's there's sort of like, just like Rabbi Shal Salanter said, that when the, uh, the Yeshiva Bachar says <coughs> in, in, in Lita, uh, the person who's non-affiliated uh, strikes up a cigarette in Paris, that there is a, there's an interconnection between Claudius and especially in, in, over there. He says from the fact that, that, that there was this suspicion about them shows you that people start <laughs> to be loose sexually and immoral even at the time of Shiloh. Because that was sort of what, you know, people started assuming. And again, their attitude was, you know, the fact that they took this attitude, they should have had a pristine attitude towards the fact that they were bringing their carbonos and they wanted to come back to their husbands. Instead, they they treated it with such laissez-faire, a cavalier attitude, not caring, letting them stay there. So that shows you, the Nsiv says, that there was in the whole community a sense of... uh, a sense of of of, of lack a lack of seriousness about matters uh, of of, of sneers. Um Kachim, we see right there that of course that they they didn't care about the korbanos. Uh, the the Klehanim saw the korbanos as just a means of them getting what they wanted. Uh, they would they would push the people who were bringing shlomim. Uh, those who are doing Afyomi, we've read a lot of Torah about the Shlomim and the Chazay Bishok, and they would push them to say, come on, give it to me, I'm going to take it, and if not, I'm going to kick you out. So there was a sense that the Korbonos were really just a means for the Kohanim to be uh, fed and satiated. It wasn't a sense of the Korbonos bringing them closer to God. So that's the reason why that was a bizarre, and they treated the Korbonos merely as as something that God put into the system, and it's a, and it's, as a benefit. Korach did a similar thing when he, when he lambasted Moshe, lambasted, in Moshe about this in, 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 in the, when he said that they, that, that, you know, the, the maestras and trumos, it's all just a way to, to give nepotism. People saw the korbonos not as a way to get close to God, but as something you needed to pay, something that the Kohen demanded, and come on, come on, hurry up, I'm gonna take it right now. Uh, that was Shiloh, Mikdash Risha, Mimnei Malchorach. So the Rabbi Yochanan continues. Rabbi Yonatan continues. Okay. So and again here the Tosefta doesn't quote this pasuk, but he quotes this pasuk in Yeshaya, Kotzer uh, that the bed is too, uh, the little mattress is too short for a person to even spread out on it. So we make a drasha. What does that mean? We make a drash. Kotzer amatzem mishtareya. Meaning that basically what happens is, is that the Avodah was this Gnostic or semi-melding of God plus the other idols together. In other words, there was an idea of syncretism, of actually putting all the different approaches to the gods together. And that's why it's sort of like the bed is too small for both. 
because they had had this tradition of one God only, but now they tried to, in a way, there wasn't a complete rejection of God, but what they tried to do is, is sort of have uh, a, a, a temple that could actually give everything. Um, and it could have, yeah, we're not rejecting the God who took us out of Mitzrayim, of course they wouldn't do that, but what they're doing is they're adding to it, changing it, and inserting other gods as almost equals in the sense of how much attention to be paid to it. And that was... Um, as, as he says here, I'm sure enough. It says, Hamaske. The maske is the sheet or the cover. It's too narrow to gather around the people. Which we're saying what it means is, is that the maske, which is the avodizara, which was always a physical item, it was always some sort of mask, a face, something that you could actually look at and comprehend, became a tzara, became like another wife. To what? To the God who did the miracles of Yamsuf. They had the tradition that God had done this incredible miracles that no other God could do, and yet they had sort of this relationship in people's minds where I've got, I've got to give a little, a, little, a little sugar to God, I've got to give a little time to the Zara. And, and Rabbi Yonason, uh, when he when he came to that point, says, I can't believe that. Could you believe what they were doing? They actually, in their minds, they had made uh, things equal. They had made other things in their world equal to God. They'd given such significance and such passion to other things. So that's the Avodah Posik that we're talking about. Um, of course, uh, Gil Yarayus. So here are the Psukim and Yermio that speak about how the nice Jewish girls in Yerushalayim walked around. And it talks about, it's like they went on the catwalk. It talks about how their necks were stretched out and how they looked around and how they walked so, so, uh, uh, coquettishly, uh, in a way, uh, and how how their makeup was applied perfectly. I, I like this part of the Chazal. With their feet, they did poison. So Amr Rabbi Yitzchok, what do you mean with their feet was poison? Uh, Mel DeMarcos would like this. <laughs> they would take special sorts of, uh, special sorts of spices, uh, and they put it in their shoes. And then, as they had, you know, swished and swayed over to the yeshiva bochum, ukeshemagias eitzel bachura yisrael, you can imagine the bochum there. That's right. Boyetes umatizes aleyan. They'd give a little, a little stomp, and what would happen? And and then that perfume would waft from their legs, from their feet, into the yeshiva guys. Umachnisin bagen yitzerhora keeres vikaos, almost like like a snakes. Uh, uh, snakes venom. So this was sort of like that was in a way the the symbol. Obviously, if the girls were doing that outside, so clearly the society had a culture where it was okay to be promiscuous and to, to be to be flirtatious. And therefore, the assumption is that if there was if there was flirtation going on in such a public way, that beyond the scenes there was definitely a lot more going on. Well, even the king himself. It says, So you see, 
that, that even the Melech, and of course he had his, he had his enemies, right? Menashe felt that he was killing people properly. Again, Menashe is one of the great Bali Tshuva who really didn't make it, right? We know that he said Hashem Wulikim at the end of his life after he was taken, uh, he was taken prisoner and he, he found God, but he was never able, he lost his Chelech and Elam because of what he, what he let out into the society. As a, as a, if he'd only been a private person, he would be a great story. And maybe he still is a great tragic story. But ultimately, by allowing official murders to happen. Yeah, but he still ate. The Mishnah says it's from the Malachim Shainam Maybe there's another sheet that holds differently. But here we're saying that my point, Yossi, is Menashe is not Nogeya. What Menashe did was set an example that it's all right to kill because Menashe took people's lives and most of them were probably taken because you're an enemy of the state. Most of them were probably taken out of what he felt was a military expediency and an illegal cause. You're seditious, right? Still, that generated the idea that human life's value is is less and that is Shri Chazdomim. Again, we're not necessarily, it's not drive-by shootings that we're talking about, but clearly the idea that human life's value is a lot less. Oh, that's right. But I'm saying, he wasn't, again, this is not like, you know, Capone in the machine, the rat that that machine gun, you know, coming in over there and, you know, just, just shooting people down. That's not what it was. Okay. My question is, what was the Shri Chazdom? Again, I mean, based, based on, based on this Gemara. He didn't Right, but I'm talking about the, that was Claudius Roskat. Again, if, if we look at these sources, and we're trying to be honest, we're trying to be honest what, what it is that it was. So basically, Avodazara meant syncretism. It meant trying to sort of like blend you know, the, 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 the flavor of the month with our historical God, right? And trying to sort of make them come together. It wasn't talking, the, the psukim that are quoted aren't about haznochas Hashem. They're not about complete denial of God. It's all about, hey, how can you bring these two things together? That's the Avodah Zorah, all right? Just like the Rambam in the beginning of Ilchaz Avodah Zorah, the original Avodah Zorah was to the sun and to the planets and saying that they were agents of God. Here, it was a little more grotesque. Because here it was saying, you know, that there's room for both. Again, the Nitziv might hold the answer because he says Eretz Yisrael was Mesugal for Avodazar. Eretz Yisrael, he says, was, in fact, he quotes a, a Medrash to Nitziv that one of the reasons why at the time of Ezra, it was such a hard sell uh, to bring people back is because many of them said, hey, I, I don't want to get involved in Avodazar again. Eretz Yisrael, there's something about the Avir there. There's something about what's going on there that lends itself to Avodazara. Again, Rav Cook had a little bit of a different explanation. He felt that, you know, again, this is, if it's actually in this week's parsha, if you want to look at the, I can send it to you. This week's parsha, Parsha's Dvarim, the Nitziv goes into a great arichos as to why Avodazara was so prevalent in Eretz Yisrael. What I can tell you is, is that his Talmud, uh, Rav Kook, a semi-Talmud, uh, actually says that Avodah was a byproduct of the feeling of something that's holy and powerful that you can't see, but you want to connect to. 
Um, clearly, it, 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 the reason why there was an affinity to it is because there's a symbol that I can somehow relate it to me. I didn't think, nobody thought that the Avodah was this Buddha or, you know, or some sort of, you know, big giant turtle. Nobody thought the turtle had created the world or that, but somehow in the constellation and the stars, there was something about that physical icon that made it something I can relate to. And yet it was a launch pad for me to devote myself to holiness because I know there's something bigger than me. I know there's holy powers that run the world and, and therefore there are these powers beyond. And that was something Rav Kuksatzal said was tied into why there was prophecy in Bias Rishon as well. Because prophecy is based on the fact that you have a predilection for connecting to something beyond you and that you realize the reality in front of you is not everything. So whatever the reason, whether it was because of the Kedush of Eretz Yisrael that lent itself to seeing things beyond, the land having a life of its own, the land almost being not like a normal land, the land almost clearly being connected to supernatural forces, or like, you know, as, as the Nitziv says, because it was so dependent on rain and so dependent on, on water and that there had been success by the other nations and therefore uh, those became options for uh, for people who were desperate in an agricultural manner. That's the Nitziv. Rav Kook is the first thing that I said. At the end of the day, Avodah Zarah was, was very powerful there. But I think as we see from this Gemara, it's about trying to embrace Avodah and still keep God in the picture. And that's the, that's what we say, that they were over Avodah And the same thing as the ego. So it's really not a Kiddush what I'm saying. Okay. He killed people as an enemy of the state. Right. Menashe had a rationalization. He was, like I'm saying, he was not... Uh, he was not Taurus Bulba. He was not, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, you know, uh, you know, angry warlord that just likes to, like, you know, kill people again. You know, he was, he, as the Nitziv says, he was a, he was a Odom Godel Odin right? But he had basically he used his right. Okay, let's go on to Vayeshani, which is what we actually right. That's the one we want to get to, right? Wow. <laughs> Doesn't just say that they, that they were, that they had lunch and words, right? Doesn't just say that, you know, that they, oh, they learned once in a while. They're babish oiskin betayra, right? That's what we say. Right? Now, this is incredible chazal. Because we're saying one korban, we're, we're comparing the two korbanos, and we're saying if korban A happens because of these three things, korban B happens because of this one thing. So that shows you that this one thing, and in some way, is similar, equal to these other big three. Um, the Gemara goes on to say that uh, that they were okay in some way by Yisrael. The Gemara says Rishoyim Hoyu, <laughs> they definitely were Rishoyim, but they still had faith in God. Um, that's what the Gemara says. They were Rishoyim, but also in Lamiktash Rishoyim. Um, and, uh, he says, he brings this incredible Pasuk to Gemara, Pasuk in Micha. It says, Rishah B'Shoichad Yishpoitu. In other words, if you were, a, if you were a, um, if you were a judge, you could get someone to judge for you, but pay up, right? Koyanela, <laughs> if you wanted to get a Psak, 
All right, b'mechir yoyru. Where's the where's the pigeon? Right, I give you the psak. Come on, yeah, give me the money. Uh, and what else? V'niviyel. And if you wanted a navi to do something incredible, pikesef yiksoimo. You gave him some money, he'd be able to do something incredible. Okay, so therefore, but al Hashem Yishanu, with all their bluffing, they still had deep down. The Gemara says a sense of reliance on God. Because they said, Hello Hashem Bikirbainu, Velotabalenu Ro. And that and that wasn't that whatever it was as 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 bastardized as it had been with Avodazar and other things, they still felt that God is with us, and they still felt a sense of a presence of God with all their Averas going on. So therefore it says Lafikach, Haviolaim Akadish Barko, Gimel Xairs, Kneget Gimel Averas. So it was very measured. So uh Siyum Sodatechrash, Shalayim Iantia, Arabayas Lubomos Yar, but it was measured. Um Whereas Mikdash Shani, as we know, we don't have, we haven't gone out of the goats, right? So despite the fact of how, and we think about how terrible those things are, rampant, you know, murder, rampant sexuality, um, how could this be? So now the Gemara asks, Uba Mikdash Rishon Layavi Beisin Aschinam? One second. Vaksiv, Migayri El Cherevoyu Esami, Lachain Sapok El Yerach. In other words, they were, they were, they were, they were scared or, 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 or of the sword. And therefore they, they sort of like clapped their, their, their thighs in frustration. What does it mean that they were, what does it mean that, uh, it meant, this is Rabbi Lazar's, Rabbi Lazar's explanation. That people were hypocritical in a way. They'd sit with each other and eat and talk. And then in their dinner conversation, they would put knives into each other, right? They would just, you know, have a sophisticated speech with each other and then put in, as the compliment is going on, a little knife into the person's back. So the Gemara says, you're right, and that definitely, the Gemara is saying there was no reason for that. That could qualify as sinas chinam. Meaning the, the sinas chinam was, in a way, a problem for bias Rishon, but it was only a problem among the upper aristocratic people. They were the ones who had, I guess, the time to eat, the time to be jealous, time to be involved, and they were the ones, but the hamonam, the regular person, not have of course, the, the question here, even before we get to the Nitziv, is that it's pretty strange because there's no sinaskinum. Yet, on the other hand, again, you'd be willing to sleep with the person's wife, right? You'd be willing to uh, to basically kill the person, right? If you was at, if it was someone you felt was an enemy, uh, obviously, there's no sinaskinum. Right, that's the answer. In other words. Yeah, I, I care for myself more than you, and I'm willing to, 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 to be engaged in adultery because I want this woman. I don't care that she's married to you. Or, I, you know, you, you forfeited your right to life because you got in my way. But that's not sinaskinum, incredibly. Obviously, it comes from a rage. It comes from a complete selfishness. But Chazal are saying it's not sinaskinum. It's reasons. There's reasons it's behind it. It's not which would mean, <laughs> so which would mean that what we had in bias Shani would be hatred that, if that's true, if we're talking about hatred, 
So, you know, they tr- I had a translation here from Safari. They call it wanton hatred, hatred that somehow can't find a – that's the translation that I found. I'm not sure if it's true. Something's not adding up. Right. I mean, and, and, and the other thing it's not – Killing people from one end of the city to the other end of the city wasn't – Valid hatred. Right. That's my question. Menashe and others. So again, this is really. So what does sinus kind of mean? Right. What does it mean? Anyone has a reason. You know, right. No, I, I don't like these, these kind of people because they, because. Okay. So here. So here's the thing. So here's the thing. If David is right, so there is there's a there, there's a modern sense when every single religious and non-religious, especially in Israel, they know this Chazal, and many people know, and they say, you know what sinus kind of is? It's an attitude. It's an attitude that, and, and you take a look, I, I, I um, connected to today's email a number of my marm from Rabbi Viner. You can see there's three of them there, I don't know if you noticed, plus from his son, Rabbi Lisha Viner, Shoma Viner, and they are, as students of Rav Kook, sort of, in a way, trying to talk about Sinas Chinam and Avas Chinam. We're not going to have time to look at it today, but if you take a look over there, you'll see that part of what, what they suggest is that Sinas Chinam means that I hate you because you're not me. I hate you just because you're different. I hate you because of, it's not because you have a wife that I would like to sleep with. It's not because you have a car that I'd like to kill you for, right? It's basically because you're not me. Since you're not me, you don't think like me. I see how different you are. Okay. So the question, therefore, is, does that mean if I carry that around with me, but I still walk into the shul with you, right? I still walk into the building with you, and we still work together. But in my heart, I still have this this attitude. So is that is that the sin of the Chazal is saying we have to eradicate? There are, again, that is a very modern approach. The problem with that, I think, is is that, yes, that's a character flaw to work on. Kina, chemda. But can that be as really as bad as the affairs that brought the destruction of the Beis to the point that that it's impossible that we still haven't uh, have it again? There are people that will say yes. Sinna is 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 is, is more. Uh, it, 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 it shows a greater corruption of the society than even about Azar Gilras and Shmi If you take a look at Chazal here, I think what, you, what we're looking at, especially in the Tesefta and Menachos here, that's the second source. It says, I'm sorry. It says, Chazal were bothered by the fact that Bayashani seemed to be great. Uh, there was a lot more Torah in Bayashani than there was in Bayas Rishon. Now, true, Bayas Rishon had Lachakas Hanavim. They had, uh, uh, sections. And, and you, if you were initiated, like, like if you became, you know, if you could become a Jedi master, right? If you could become part of the, if you get into the, to the group, then there was a lot of kedusha and holiness. But the idea of actually, uh, as we know from uh, Rabbi Shua ben Gamla and others, the idea of, of, of a yeshiva in every place, the idea of learning going on on a mass level, the idea of actually a formulation of the principles of Teresha Valpeh in a way that it can be understood and, 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 and learned and studied, that the idea of action, bias rishon. We like to think that everybody, the Shmuel Anavi was just a typical Rosh Hashiva, and he came and he gave, <laughs> he gave a shir klol, he gave a clap, and everybody came over to him for Chazaras Hashir afterwards. But that's not true. The, the, we know that 
there was Torah Shabbat was kept by a cadre of very holy men, but it was in many ways unknown. There's a reason why you had 60 or 70 percent. I don't know how much you want to say Malchus Yisrael was, but they were basically non Torah Jews in a way. They were, they had Torah, and, right? But they didn't keep the Pratim of Torah Shabbat. They didn't know all the Pratim of Torah Shabbat. Okay, all right. So Chazal say David and Shlomo, but when you had Malchus Yisrael, when you had Achav, when you had, and that was for hundreds and hundreds of, but that was by Yisrishan for hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay, if you would come in over there and say, how can you be like this way? It's a, it's a befeirish Tanya the baby of Elio against what you're doing, right? Elio, Elio Novi, that Russia, what are you talking about him? That guy's the worst guy in the world, right? So the, the idea of learning Torah was definitely less. And bias, right? And, and, and even the chasadim, as you can see, were clearly, uh, there was chesed, uh, much greater opportunities for chasadim. Even to the point, as you can see, chazal say here in the Tesefta Menachas, what does it say? Zahir and Bemaisris. They would give to the kaihanim properly. Um, so the Tesefta says an interesting thing. Tesefta says, he says, Mepnesha so it adds another element that we didn't find in the Gemara Numa. The Gemara Numa just says pure sinaschina. The Tesefta adds this idea, which again could be the proto source, could be the Gemara specifically edited it out. But the Tesefta says that the reason behind things were was was chem the samamain. The two Okay, so. Where does that stem from? So if we take a look again, but you, excuse me, it says Lalam Oh, very good question. What about Chemdas Mamin? Oh, so that's the Nitziv before he before he even wrote his masterpiece about what Sinasminam is. He has Haoris on the Shiltas the Rabachoygon, and that's right over here. So he says Zel Osher. It says he says Uchayra ask Yankees Kasha. It starts with two things. So he says, I it starts with Tarte Besayim Bachoda. It starts with Mamon, right, and ends with both. See the same thing. So he says he says the Atzmo. Kolkach. In other words, according to what the Nitziv said in his younger days, one in other words, this was a society that, incredibly, even though you would think Bayez Rishon was a wealthier, more independent society, they had their own control of things, but they didn't have Chem Nesamamon in the same way. So in other words, so, right. So, so in other words, right. So, so it's not just I hate you. It's, there's, you, 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 what becomes primary to you is, Having enough money, being right, making sure you can make the payments, making sure you have that. There was there was a chemdas amomon that the Tosefta is saying at all costs, right? To the point that which somehow was not in bias, uh, in bias uh, shining. Okay, the Nitziv actually, as he got older, he developed this a little bit further in a way that I think is, uh, which I'll just show you quickly. But that was like a surprise to think that that's the way. Don't we know that? That Avat 
Okay, so right. So let that's that's the law. Okay, so okay. All right. So as Nitziv developed as these ideas, and especially as he started, I want to finish them. As he started to uh, um, uh, give shiurim and homash, part of the thing, you know, the Lajan yeshiva uh, stood very strong against Musa. They felt that they didn't need Musa. Rav Chaim Velozhner felt when he heard about, you know, this idea, his Talmidim were, were starting, uh, Rav Zundel of Salant and then finally Rav Yisrael Salant, they stood against that. They felt, you know, you know that uh, you can get all the, Rav Chaim felt, or Bitzvah, that you can get all the Musa you need by learning Medrash properly. If you weren't Pirkei you weren't Midrashim, you don't need special Musa books and to spend 20 minutes, you know, investing yourself and uh, getting yourself excited. You could get everything from learning Chazal. Not necessarily Shoshanova Chazapara, but if you learn the Chazal and the deal with, with Musa and Yonim, that's all you need, and that will make you a true Baal Musa. So um, the Nitziv, uh, as you can see here, developed in the Hamikdavar, his parish on Chumash, he gave a Chumash here for 20 minutes after davening every day, and eventually he wrote those ideas down, he published them, and he was very proud of them. He thought that they really represented a true Torah philosophy. And he says here like this, he says, we know at the end of Parshas Saisabrocha, um, it says that the, um, that, that the, uh, that the, there was a generation, Dorikesh Upesalto. Pirsh, who is that? Baisheni. Shayut Sadikim Vachasidim Vaomalitaira. Achloa Yisharim Bahalicha Sailomo. Basically, they didn't, they, there was a disconnect of how to relate to the world around them. So basically what the Nitziv says is that there was, in, there was the tzedukim that had arisen. And they were a, tr- a real threat to Klal Yisrael. They felt that the Torah was invented and that all the is important to Torah Shabbat And that is a tremendous threat. But the, the, the anger that was elicited there spread that even people in the middle started to be seen as suspicious. The Purushim, who were tzaddikim, in many ways they wanted to fight for independence, they saw it and therefore they would actually kill innocent people. Now, there's a person who's not from, who's just not keeping mitzvahs properly. Oh, that's a tzaduki. <laughs> that guy is not Bikairis. That guy's part of that group. And therefore, they would institute, they would take a, a citizen's arrest approach, and they would kill the guy. And that was the Marita Malimayman. And that is what Sinaschinim is. Sinaschinim isn't just sitting there saying, I don't like you. Sinaschinim is acting and thinking that because who you are, because I don't trust you, I actually have the right to kill you. So Sinus Chinam only is, 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 was terrible, he says, because it led to actions of Shri Chazdamim. It isn't just sitting back and saying, I hate that guy. But it's because it showed itself Lamaisim. Okay, uh, Mitzvah we should be Zoha by, by learning about the things and taking the... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.